Oh, good morning. As Graham has introduced, uh, I get to kick off a three-week series on prayer. And um, prayer is it's one of our fundamentals of the faith, isn't it? You know, it's one of our greatest weapons. I came across a brilliant quote this week from um, Karl Barth, the theologian and philosopher. He said, to clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Isn't that a great quote? I'm going to say it again because it's so good. To clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Um, And I want to look this morning at prayer alongside the Bible, or scripture as some people call it, or if you're really spiritual, the word. And, but, you know, prayer and the word, they go together, don't they? Did you notice this morning how Kim's prayers were packed with scripture? Brian's word, it was based on scripture. What Graham brought, it was full of scripture. The, the fundamental relationship between the two is, is, so, is so strong. Um, I'm actually going to call, have we got the, ah, there we are, I'm going to call this morning's talk, Where the Word, which might seem a strange title, but it will come clear, I I hope. Um, You may well know that um, the Jews used to wear small leather boxes on their foreheads, and they'd also have them strapped to their left arm, and they were called phylacteries. And these contained portions of scripture, portions of their commandments, of the law, and, and they, they wore them because they interpreted Scripture absolutely literally. And it says in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That was one of the scriptures they kept in their little leather boxes. Um, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And so they did literally wear the scripture. And there's a picture here of um, a Pharisee, and this is a Pharisee in the time of Jesus, as imagined by the artist Rudolf Ernst. But if you look closely, I hope it's big enough, you can probably see the little leather box on his forehead that contained the scripture and the binding around his arm that also contained scripture as well. And Orthodox Jews still wear those today. But who knows that what is often found in the Old Testament as a principle, a physical principle, can so often be found in the New Covenant as a spiritual principle. And what the principle is really saying is take God's word seriously. We're not meant to just read it. We're meant to live it. We're meant to wear it. We're meant to put it on. Paul says it's part of the armor of God. We put it on almost like we put on clothing. We make it a part of our very existence. Now, I don't want to just say we're looking at the Bible this morning, important as the Bible is, because the Bible isn't the only Word. Now, I grew up in a church tradition that taught that the Bible was the 
word. It was the word of God. It was so important that people came along to the meetings with big black Bibles under their arms just to show the esteem and the reverence in which they actually held it. And it was, it was considered the only word. It was so revered. And it was presented to me as a child as my, my workshop manual. It was my roadmap. It was my instruction book. It would help me lead a better life. Now, all of that is so obviously true, isn't it? No problem. But there is one thing missing in that list, and that is its primary purpose. None of the things I've mentioned, important as they are, are really Scripture's primary purpose. Now, I was brought up on this next Scripture, it was my memory verse. I was made to memorize it. I can still memorize it by heart. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I remembered that. And although I was taught that verse constantly and I was made to recite it, I don't recall being told about the verse that came before it. Can we just put that one up? And this is from 2 Timothy 3, 15. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. This is um, Paul talking to Timothy. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. That, I believe, is Scripture's primary purpose, it's to lead us to Jesus. All the other stuff is good, don't get me wrong, but the primary purpose of Scripture is always to point to Jesus. Everything we find in the Old Testament, all the symbolism, the sacrifices, the Passover, the temple worship, the prophetic, it all points to Jesus. I see it sort of like arrows saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's so important. Jesus is the fulfillment of all Scripture. Now, earlier I said that the Bible wasn't the only word. And in my childhood church, that would almost have been blasphemous, I think. But the idea of written Scripture being the only word was how the Jews saw it. They actually believed the written scriptures were the most important thing. They built their worship. They built their traditions, their very lives around the written word. But when we get to the New Testament, we find that John presents things to us in a totally new way. There's a new thing that's actually going on. And this is how he actually begins his gospel, the gospel of John. And a very familiar scripture, just one moment. John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a fantastic scripture. But can you see in that scripture, suddenly the whole concept of the word changes. It's no longer just 
the written word. Now it's become alive. In him was life. It's living. And it was before time. But it's also now. So it's, it's relevant. It, it's active. And it, it tells it's creative. Through him all things were made. Nothing was made without him. And John also tells us it's a person. In fact, John is pointing at Jesus and saying, Jesus is the Word, and he is God. I mean, that's such a fantastic scripture, isn't it? There's so much in it. And John uses the word logos when he's actually talking about word. That's the Greek word, logos. And this was a word that both Jews and Greeks would have understood. It was such a far-reaching and deep-meaning word. And in the Greek mind, it refers to the foundational principle of the universe upon which everything else is founded. So can you see what John is saying here? That there is a foundation to everything, and that foundation is Jesus, the word at the beginning. Nothing came into being except through Jesus. So that's why I say scripture is only part of the word. It's not the complete word. Scripture only becomes complete when we receive it in the context of Jesus, who is the source of all scripture. It's only through Jesus that scripture reaches its total fulfillment. Now the Jews thought their scripture, their written word, was actually what was going to save them. They thought that was the source of their salvation. But Jesus has to correct them. And I, I love this next scripture. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, poring over them, hoping to gain eternal life. Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. What's the chief purpose of scripture? To point us to Jesus, the source of all life, eternal life. Now what I'm trying to say this morning is we read the Bible because it reveals Jesus. We don't read it to get information, although we can do. We don't read it because it's a history book, although it is. We read it so that we can know Jesus more fully and we can hear what he wants to say to us. It's personal. We read it because it brings us into that relationship with Jesus, which is what Jesus wants. You know, Jesus is all about relationship. It's not about keeping rules like the Pharisees thought and some Christians think. It's not about religion. Jesus isn't about religion. Jesus is all about relationship. And that's what he wants with you. He wants relationship. That's why we read the Bible. Now, sometimes I think we can set ourselves challenges. I'm going to read so many chapters in a day, or I'm get, going to get through the Bible in a set time. Nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But can I just say the aim is not to get the Bible through. Sorry, it's not to get through the Bible. The aim is to get the Bible through you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's not about setting yourself unrealistic challenges and you can get into condemnation or oh, I'm getting behind, you know. The aim is to get the Bible through you, God's word through you. And personally, I'd much rather chew on three verses and sort of hear what God is saying in those and get a lot out of them than set myself sort of unrealistic challenges. 
um, targets. But, you know, how you choose to read the Bible is entirely up to you. Whatever, read, whatever works for you, whether it's Nicky Gumbel's app or uh, Lectio 365, there's lots of good things out there, Bible notes and such like, to help you read the Bible. But just remember the primary purpose of Scripture. The important thing is we do read it. Now, Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. His word needs to be in us. It needs to be hidden in us. It needs to be through us. We need to wear it. And um, we, as I said, we put it on almost like clothing and it becomes part of our thinking. It becomes part of our responses to the situations and the challenges that we find ourselves facing. And we can only face those things with the promises of Scripture if we know what it says. And we're only going to know what it says if we actually read it. Now, as I said, the Bible isn't the only source of the word because Jesus lives within each of his children. And one of the things I, you know, I'm so passionate about is the fact that he's always talking to us. He loves to communicate with us. He loves to speak to us. And part of how he does that is through scripture and in our prayer times. And I believe, you know, relationship is all about having that constant conversation. And I often say, if I don't speak to my wife for six weeks, that's not much of a relationship. And she would soon tell me that. Um, but, you know, with Jesus, we need to keep that constant conversation and I believe that he does speak to us constantly through his Holy Spirit if we're listening and as we know listening is a really important part of prayer and that's one of the things I had to adjust in my own prayer times is actually spend that time not just going straight in with my big long list of things and I do have a big long list of things and people that I pray for but actually spend that time with him saying what do you want to say to me this morning what do you want to reveal to me through your word? Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. That's relationship, isn't it? For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus talks to us and he lets us know the Father's business. That's such a privilege, isn't it? We get to know the Father's business. And part of understanding and reading scripture is all about getting to know the Father's business. But he also speaks to us in other ways as well. We know that he speaks through the prophetic. I love the prophetic. Um, I love to hear the word of knowledge in operation. Um, that's one of the prophetic gifts. It's another way that Jesus speaks to us and he shows us his love and his kindness towards us. Um, that was really illustrated to us when we were at Soul Survivor last year. Um, and there's one or two in the room who were there as well, so you'll know the story. But um, Mike Pilavachi opened up the room to receiving words of knowledge from the floor. And I remember thinking, that's brave. Because, um, you know, whenever you get Christians together, you can get a little bit of the nutty coming in sometimes. Um, but there were some very accurate words of knowledge that were very relevant to some people in the room. But there was one word that I, I will be honest, I was a bit judgmental and I thought, this is nuts. And um, it was, um, somebody said, this is for a lady here in a white cardigan. And I have a picture of you like a baby penguin peering out from between the daddy penguin's feet. 
and you are thinking of going on a journey to where the penguins live. Sounds off the wall, doesn't it? And then they said, the journey has something to do with remembrance. And I could see by the look on Mike Pilavachi's face, he was thinking, this is nuts as well. And uh, God is saying to you, take the trip. Now, the next meeting, this lady stood up and she said, that picture was just for me. She said, I was the baby penguin peering out from between the daddy penguin's legs. I loved my dad. And um, I, I actually find this quite emotional, this story, actually. Um, but so I'll explain why in a minute. But she said, I, I was the baby penguin peering out from between daddy penguin's legs. My father, who I was mad about, he was actually thinking of going to see the penguins. He loved penguins. He was mad about penguins. And he wanted to go on a trip to Antarctica to see the penguins for himself. Sadly, he died a few months back and never got to take the trip. I was thinking about taking the trip in his honor, in his remembrance. And you've just told me it's okay to take the trip. And she said, and by the way, I was wearing a white cardigan. Yeah, and it was just absolutely amazing. And why I found it so emotional was because um, it wasn't just a word for that lady. I mean, it was for everyone in the room because God was just saying, I know your situation. I know exactly how you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. And I just want to do something about it. And that's the word of knowledge in operation. It's just the way God actually shows us how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And sometimes we get a word of knowledge here. It's great. And sometimes it can be someone here has an earache, someone struggling with migraines. God knows your situation. I believe when he speaks through a word of knowledge, he's saying, I want to do something about it. God's word, you know, it's so powerful. However it comes, it is powerful. His word in scripture is powerful. His, his word as he directs our lives, it's powerful. His word through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's powerful. If the source is Jesus, it has to be powerful, doesn't it? Because the name of Jesus is powerful. And, you know, all scripture, they are really the words of Jesus. He was the word at the beginning. Nothing was made that has been made without him. He was fundamental to the whole business of scripture. He was in it. He made it. And I think one of the most powerful ways of using his word is to pray it. And that's where I really want to come into land this morning. I have found praying his word over my life and the lives of others to be really powerful. Because what we're saying in that is exactly what we heard this morning. I trust you. I trust your promises. I believe your word. And God loves it when we stand on his word and we take him at his word. And I was looking at some of the 24-7 prayer stuff this week, and I noticed that Pete Gregg, who leads the 24-7 prayer movement, he said this, by approaching the text prayerfully, using imagination and seeking conversation rather than information, it becomes exciting, surprising, challenging and moving. The Bible comes to life. And I've been challenged by this too. God's word, it really needs to be part of our everyday life. It needs to be part of our prayer life. I found it so helpful you know, to 
pray scripture over different situations because the Bible is so full of amazing promises. I mean, we know that, don't we? But when we pray scripture, we are praying the very words of Jesus and his words are always powerful. Now, I do have several go-to scriptures, and you probably do as well. So often we can come across someone struggling in life for all sorts of reasons. That's been mentioned this morning. It may be health. It may be work. It may be relationships. It may be money worries. You know. But I find one of the most helpful things to pray over people in that situation is the promise of Jesus for abundant life. Jesus is all about life. Jesus wants abundant life for each one of his children. Now, I believe every life has a plan and a purpose that will bring you fruit and will bring you fulfillment. That's his promise. Look at what he says. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And another translation said, but I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, where does all the brokenness in this life come from? The brokenness that we pray against. Well, Jesus tells us it comes from the thief, the devil. He only comes to kill and, and steal, kill, and destroy. And I often say to folks, you know, the devil hasn't signed up to the Geneva Convention. He's mean. He is nasty. He, his aim is to destroy the image in, of God in you because he hates that. And if he can suck you dry and he can squeeze you all the life out of you, that's what he will do. But Jesus wants exactly the opposite. Abundant life until you overflow. Now my Bible tells me that my Father in heaven sends an abundance of good gifts because he's a good Father. Just see what James says. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. There's nothing dark or hidden in God. God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word. There's that logos again, Jesus, so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all his creation. That's a promise. So let's pray for his good gifts to manifest and for all the rubbish that the enemy wants to put into our lives to be thrown out. Because that's what we do with rubbish. We throw it out. And I believe we can do that in prayer. And I pray that over my family. I pray it over my children and my grandchildren constantly. I pray that God's plan for their destiny, that prevails and not the enemy's plan to destroy. And the promise of abundant life, you know, it's not just for heaven. Sometimes we preach, you know, we get it when we get to heaven. But I believe Jesus tells us it's for this life as well as the next one. We get both, aren't we privileged? Um, now, no one's claiming a quick fix. This is not what we're claiming this morning. Sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it's a long journey. And if you're struggling with any kind of brokenness this morning... Let's start the journey. 
Let's stick with it. Now, we often speak of the importance of praying and not giving up. And I think that is so important that we keep at it and we keep breaking those walls down in prayer. Now, if that's you this morning, if you're struggling with any of the kinds of things that uh, I've mentioned, then we'd love to pray for you. We're going to have a time at the end when people can come out and we will pray for you. We love praying for people because I really believe that brings about change. Now, one, feel, one thing I do feel that this church is actually really moving into is, is that praying for people. And I love to see on a Sunday morning when you've got people huddled around just praying some, for, for somebody because there's a particular problem or an issue or whatever, and that's doing exactly the right thing because we know God can change that situation. So let's start the journey to abundant life. Now, I just want to speak something personal for just a moment because I'm, I'm facing a really big issue you at present and I hope I can speak to you confidentially all 250 of you Um, but you know the thing I'm struggling with is something that's not uncommon to man and it's an issue that I know some of you will be facing as well aging unfortunately is something we all have to face you didn't think there's anything else, did you? Um, but yeah, we all have to face aging. It's not God's original plan. I'm absolutely convinced of that. It's not his design. Aging didn't come in until the fall. Um, but I think we can easily accept the effects of aging. But that's not what Scripture tells us to do. There's some wonderful scriptures that I believe reassure us that age is not meant to stop us from reaching God's plan and purpose in our lives and living the fulfilling, abundant life that he wants for us. So when I feel the aches and pains, when I feel tired, when I feel things are just too much trouble, my go-to scripture is Isaiah 40. And I've shared this before, but it's such a powerful scripture. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, trust in the Lord, um, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's a promise. It's in his word. So, yeah, we have to believe it, don't we? Um, and I could go on. When I feel ill, there's amazing scriptures I can go to. When I'm discouraged, when I'm under attack, there are promises in his word that we can pray. So can I encourage you? Get to know the promises. That is so important. Let's go mining into his word for those promises. There's treasures in there to find. There are nuggets of gold. And, and we're constantly finding new promises in there, things I've never seen before. Sometimes I find in my prayer time scriptures I think I'm really familiar with, and I read them again. I've never seen that before because God's always doing a new thing. Never get familiar with it. It's always changing. It's always alive. It's always active. So find those scriptures. Find those promises. Pray them over yourselves. Pray them over your families, and believe them. That's so important that we believe them. It is His word, and it is powerful. Amen. Shall we pray? Yeah. Father, I just want to pray over this church here now. They are your people. Your promise is for abundant life. Your promise is that you will build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I want to pray for all these lovely people here this morning that they will enter into an even better, 
deeper relationship with Jesus. They will find those nuggets of gold in your word. They will find promises and they will stand on those promises. And I just pray that will lead them into that abundant life that overflows. And it overflows not just for this church, but it overflows out of this church and into our community because that's what you want for us. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So Lord Jesus, thank you for these people. Thank you for everyone that's here that's not here by accident. And I pray that you will touch them this morning with your Holy Spirit. And you will touch them with the very words of Jesus. And I just actually want to add on to that as well. If you've never, ever entered into the personal relationship that Jesus wants with you, he is speaking to you this morning. He's inviting you to be his friend. You might not hear a physical voice, but you may well know there's a stirring of something deep Inside, because the Holy Spirit is calling you to give your life for something better, abundant life. And if that's you this morning and you want that abundant life and you haven't experienced it yet, then do come and talk to us because we'd love to just introduce you to Jesus. But if you need prayer for anything else this morning, folks, if there's anything that you're struggling with this morning, come on, let's pray for you. Let's pray God's word and his promises over you. Amen.